episode was brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Special thanks to new patrons Nicholas Stumpf and Chad Stice, and longtime supporters like Amy Swan and Greg and Pearl Morgan. Stick around for an extended shout-out at the end. Now on to the episode. Welcome to another episode of Father and Son Watch Horror Movies. I am your co-host, the father, a.k.a. Pastor Matt, and I am joined, as always, by my trusty sidekick. Jackson the Thunder, and I hope you appreciate that I had to pay a circus mime to sneak me past a roadblock just so I could get back to my computer in time for this podcast. <laughs> how dedicated I am. Are there mimes in Dayton, Ohio? You'd be surprised. Oh, yeah, I'd be surprised. All right, so <laughs> we are a spoiler podcast. We do spoil the movies we discuss. And on this episode, we are looking to an underviewed Hammer film that turns 50 this year from 1972. The year I was born, as was the great Greg Amortis, Vampire Circus. And in order to do this right, we have called back a podcast pro. In fact, I think uh, mathematically, he has been on more than 75% of all movie podcasts, and he is also destined to become the CEO of Tubi TV, Mr. Bill the Butcher Van Vago. How are you, buddy? I don't think I want any of Rupert Murdoch's money. <laughs> oh, you'll take it. <laughs> oh, I'll take it. American greenbacks. Damn right I will. That's right. Oh, so first of all, Bill, how's the family and uh, how are you doing, buddy? I was going to say everything's going well. Uh, I'm counting down the days till the end of the school year. For those of you who don't know, I'm a grade six, seven teacher this year, and I'm at my wits end with two weeks to go. The family's doing well. We're going to be off for a month camping from the 10th of July till the 10th of August, depending upon when this airs. I might just be sitting on the beach listening to this, looking at the wind go by. Hey, there you go. So, and are you following the Stanley Cup playoffs? And, oh, uh, every, every, th this time of year is amazing because you've got the NBA finals just completed. Yeah. You've got the Stanley Cup. Uh, finals going on. You've got baseball really starting to dig in. You've got football mini camp on. Uh, you've got uh, U.S. Open golf on. You've got the Canadian Formula One races this weekend. Uh, I've got fantasy football drafts. I did my first one yesterday. Nice. I, I am in Nirvana. Oh, very good. I I um, will confess, I'm not the biggest hockey fan. I love to go to hockey matches. Love, love to watch them in person. Don't usually watch them on TV. I became a hockey fan when I moved to L.A., and one of my brother's friends had season tickets to the L.A. Kings when a Miss, Mr. Gretzky was, was playing say, the L.A. Kings. Were you sitting beside Alan Thicke and John Candy when Gretzky was, was in town? I was sitting right behind Alan Thicke every time. And Alan <laughs> Thicke, God rest his soul, was always lit. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> He'd had several Labats by the time I that I sat it, but, but if it was 4% beer, he had to have twice as many. Oh, and he did. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, oh, those were great times. And man, last night, first game in the Stanley Cup, Colorado Avalanche in overtime. Oh. I was sitting there texting with my buddy, and I said, you never count out Tampa. They get two goals in 48 seconds. You go into yep. overtime. They kill off a penalty, and then boom. Boom. Yeah. Boom, incredible. boom, boom. So incredible. you know what? Anybody out there, this is now a sports podcast, so call in to 1-800. Yes, right. <laughs> but, but, Jackson, you are a – I know you're primarily a baseball fan. Unfortunately, our Reds suck like nothing this year. I mean, they're terrible. Yeah. 
Um, but so be it. Anyway. I was going to uh, say that you can follow the Jays with me. Eh, no thanks. Um, I'll stick with my Reds as much as they suck. Uh, but hey, I've, been, I've I've lived long enough to watch them, you know, win three World Series. So I'll, yeah. I will take that. Was that back with Sparky? Yeah, back when I was um, three and four years old. Some of my earliest memories are them winning World Series back to back in the seventies with a big red machine. And then I was eighteen, living in California when everybody was rooting for the Oakland A's, and they swept the A's in nineteen ninety with Barry Larkin and was, was Jose, that Jose Rio. Lima. Jose was that Jose, Jose Rio? Oh, Rio, that was it. Jose yeah, Rio. that was it. Yeah, and Rob Dibble, who oh I, Rob I, Dibble. Oh man, that guy threw. 100 miles an hour, as uh, one of my former co-workers, Sean Bosky, who played for the Chicago Cubs, said that when he saw Rob Dibble pitch, it looked like he was throwing a Tylenol. Uh, he, he, he was nasty. Boys. He was nasty. One of the nasty boys. That's, That's right. right. Yeah. So, all right, all right. We'll get off the sports <laughs> and we will get to, to, to Hammer. So, the IMDb summary um, for Vampire Circus reads, as the plague sweeps the countryside. A quarantined village is visited by a mysterious traveling circus. Soon, young children begin to disappear, and the locals suspect the circus troupe might be hiding a horrifying secret. No, duh. Um, so, <laughs> Bill, when did you first see Vampire Circus, buddy? Well, I was trying to think of that today. I was sitting on my deck, and I can't recall exactly. When I first got into teaching, I was about 28 and then I had a colleague of mine who was from England and he used to always, he knew I was a horror fan and he said check out the Hammer films okay and we're going we're talking mid 90s mm -hmm. oh, sorry not mid 90s sorry mid 2000s and right. so 2005 ish so I'm thinking it's around I've probably saw it 2005 2006 for the first time and then I've seen it subsequently a couple times, but I had not seen it in a couple years. So I've probably seen it four to five times, but it had been a little wow. while. Wow. Jackson, what about you? When did you first see Vampire Circus? I, I first watched Vampire Circus in 2019 after it was recommended to me by you, because I know this is one of your mm -hmm. your favorites and very underseen. I think this is, this is you know, like you said, it's, it's underrated um, and not talked about very much because it's really... It's a weird movie to try to explain to people. It's kind of convoluted. You get a vampire in the beginning, and then that vampire is dead for the rest of the movie. And it's a different vampire. It's his cousin that's the villain, but he's trying to bring the main villain back. So it's very mm -hmm. convoluted to try to explain this to somebody. And like you we're talking about with the summary, the plague is happening, but also it's not the plague. It's the vampire curse is what's haunting the town. Uh, and also they have, like, modern mirrors and carriages, even though it's supposed to be, like, whenever the plague was like the 1500s or whatever um so uh it's, it's very it's a very odd movie um very it's erotic it's, it's hammer they're working with a budget they can only That's do so true. much yeah and, and to the film's credit it looks good i mean they've got they've got like live animals and i mean i hope there was a you know a supervisor on set there because uh <laughs> i wouldn't be surprised with hammer if they just shot that tiger for real they're like we gotta we gotta you know got a, a schedule to make but uh, it looks good, but uh, it is a very confusing movie. And like I said, very erotic. It's a very oddly erotic movie. I mean, uh, this is the 70s yeah. were wild because this is rated PG. And in the first five minutes, we get child murder, full frontal nudity, and a close-up throat slit. So, I mean, like, that's – and that's the first five minutes. So 
it's pretty wild what Hammer was able to get away with um, into the 70s. I mean, they were pretty tame in the 60s, and then they were kind of like, let's just let's get everybody in. We're doing Vampire Circus, you know, whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's goofy fun, I would say. It's not a guilty pleasure. It's just plain old fun. Well, and, and Bill, to, to Jackson's point, I mean, uh, you and I remember, you know, the 80s and so forth. I mean, if you had nudity and, and blood, you were guaranteed an R rating. How did this slip by as a PG? Well, I mean, either then it was either PG or R, right? So right. they must have, you know, figured it wasn't there, – there must have been a line in the sand and it didn't quite hop over it. How? Yeah, but, I, but in the 80s, when you were like, when you and I were like renting videos and stuff, I mean, this would have been an R rating, right? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, I can't see my dad taking me to see this when I was eight. No. You know? No. Maybe dad wanted to see it, but mom wouldn't have let me see it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, this was a bit of a blind spot for me because, you know, in the late 70s, I discovered Hammer Films on WUAB out of Cleveland on Saturday night with Superhost. But, I mean, I remember distinctly watching Dracula's Risen from the Grave and stuff like that. But I don't remember this one. It was years later when I saw it. Maybe, Bill, about the same time you did, the 2000s or maybe even the you know 2010s. And um, I remember watching, like, wow, this is a Hammer film from the 70s. And, uh, yeah, there's there's nudity. It's really risque. There is gore. Um, not like 80s Peter Jackson bad taste gore or, you no. know, or dead alive gore. But there is there's beheadings and there's a lot of blood and that kind of stuff. Uh, um, there's, there's children in peril. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I mean, like like Jackson said, in the first 10 minutes, you've got a dead child which you know as doctor you know walking dead has said that's when a you know horror movie is serious if you've got a dead child and and so you've got all that and sorry raul no dong no dong uh, no. <laughs> no dong and thank goodness raul <laughs> you need therapy um I, I i'm just i i say that as as a person who grew up with did you watch seinfeld in the 90s oh seinfeld's my favorite all-time show Okay, so do you remember Elaine lecturing Jerry on good naked and bad naked? Oh, good naked, bad naked. Good <laughs> yes. naked, you know, there's a certain point. Bad naked, bending down with your bike. That's bad. Right, but you know. she also says that there's no good naked for guys. She's like, yeah. men, you know, women are a work of art. Men are like Jeeps. They're for getting around, you know, and, and, and I think it was maybe Kramer or somebody's like, well, some women like looking at it. And Elaine's like, yeah, freaks. Well, yeah, um, it, was, it was George. And she goes, yeah, oh, sickos. Yeah, sickos. That's right. So, Raul, come on, dude. Not even women want to see Dong. So, um, but yeah, it's, I, I do remember seeing it being shocked by it and really, uh, really liking it. I'll give that away. But. Um, and for a long time, this was unedited on YouTube, even though I saw it on Tubi. Is that where you saw it, Bill? Uh, I, I've seen it in both. Yeah. Uh, I've seen it. Now, do, are, do you remember back in the day when, like, A&E would even show Hammer films? Yes. I mean, I yeah. remember watching Dracula Has Risen from the Grave on Arts and Entertainment. Yeah, and yeah which they, is... They've, they've, they've long gone from that. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but that's the kind of you know like I've seen it here there and everywhere but for whatever reason some like Hammer for the most part 
is a European thing, and it's a cult thing over here. Really, in Canada, it's a cult thing. Well, I mean, I would think even North America, because like you'll okay. always you'll get your Universal monsters, you'll get right. your uh, Friday uh, Friday the Thirteenth. How often will you see Hammer's version of the horror Dracula on TV? Yeah, it goes back to the 70s for me. And, and like you said, there was a time when like A&E and back when AMC was basically Turner Classic Movies before Turner Classic Movies and Halloween, they would show those kind of things. But, you know, uh, not very often. But I know that, you know, Jackson, Bill brought up Dracula's Risen from the Grave. I think that is your favorite Hammer horror film. Is it still? It's yeah, it's up there. I mean, I, I that the devil rides out, you know, it's like, yeah, I, I just I love that era, you know, um, and of course, I love Universal. So I love the Universal kind of remakes. But um, I like the weird ones, too. Like there's one where there's a snake lady like Hammer got kind of weird in the 70s. They were I will really tell you, I, I will watch anything with Barbara Pitt. Or Ingrid Pitt. <laughs> Ingrid Pitt. Ingrid yeah. yeah. Or I was thinking Barbara Steele. Barbara Steele or yeah. Ingrid Pitt. I will take Ingrid Pitt over Barbara Steele, yeah. But yeah. another, uh, another like, Hammer also delves less into horror. I mean, they had Captain Kronos, which was a vampire movie, but it was like a swashbuckling action movie. Yeah. It was just pretty cool. So they were really, you know, in the 70s, they were really trying anything to not go out of business. Well, Matt, um, I, did, I didn't know how far you wanted to get into the history of Hammer. Right, let's go for it. We, I talked about it with, you know, on, um, you know, Screaming Through the Ages with Trey. But, I mean, let's face it, I mean, Hammer was really struggling in the late 60s and early 70s and eventually went bankrupt. But I think they produced some of their best stuff. I mean, you know, Twins of Evil and this and I mean, some great stuff. Right, Bill? Yeah, they did. Like this at this point, this was 72. Realistically, by about 74, their strength was gone. Mm-hmm. I think their last hurrah was Captain Kronos. And Dave and I, Dave Becker and I talk a lot about saying, how they had originally planned uh, Captain Kronos to be a serial set of movies. And it didn't make enough that they were satisfied to continue with it. But I would have loved to have seen that character continue. I I would have too. But of course you have, by that time, the the time that Captain Kronos comes along, you've had Last House on the left. You've had The Exorcist. You've had, you know, Texas Chainsaw. Chainsaw. You've had Jaws. And so it seemed kind of antiquated, don't you think, Bill, at that point? Yeah, I mean, the only thing they could give that those other audiences did were heaving bosoms. That's about it. Yeah, all right. Which there's lots of negligee and there was lots of blood that looked paint red. Yes, very paint red. And that, I mean, when they start merging, what was the one film where they merged with the Shaw brothers, with Peter Cushing, where it was the seven vampire samurais? Oh, the, the legend of the seven golden vampires. That's it. That's it. You, you knew that was kind of their jump the shark moment. Yeah. Because yeah. at, at that point, they they never gain anything back. No. Jackson, did you ever see the legend of the seven golden vampires? I have not. I have it in one of my Hammer DVD collections, but it's one that I haven't dared touch. Oh, it's it's well worth a watch. It's not bad, is it, Bill? It's not no, terrible. No, I mean, I wouldn't put it up there in, in Hammer's top ten, but, you know, it, it, Peter Cushing, uh, and he would have been in his, oh, I'm going to say late 50s at a minimum at that yeah. point. Oh, was yeah. still pretty nimble. Yeah, that was, you know, just a couple years before he had to wear slippers you know, walking around and uh, Star Wars and all that kind of stuff, Peter Cushing. And yeah, it was, yeah, it, well, but you had, let's face it, I mean, 
Christopher Lee went on to, goodness sakes, did he live into the 2010s? Well, I mean, he did into the Lord of the Rings, what, part two or three? Yeah, but I think he lived another 10 years after. I think he was still doing, like, metal albums in, like, 2007. He was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he lived and for he was a long in, time. He was in the uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory remake. Oh, no, that's right. Uh, but, but a lot of people don't remember him as a straight actor. Like, he was in Man with a Golden Gun. Yep. In, yep. in the mid-'70s, and he did some stuff that wasn't Hammer, but when he needed his paycheck, he went back to Hammer. Right. Yeah. He went back to horror and, yeah. but, um, you know, with star Wars and Lord of the Rings, he had that Renaissance, but I think Peter Cushing died in the early nineties. And one of the sweetest stories I've ever heard was I think when they offered, it wasn't hammer. I think it was amicus maybe that offered Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee to star in horror express, okay. which I think was the same year as vampire circus. Yeah, so that, that was it, uh, amicus. That was one of the, their anthology. Yeah. And so it was, you know, and Peter Cushing didn't want to do it because his wife just died and, and Christopher Lee went to him and they were friends and talked him into doing it. So, um, and then, so Peter Cushing went on to do, you know, another 10, 12 years or more, a film, some very quality films like, you know, Star Wars. And of course he was, what was it? Um, Top Secret with Val Kilmer. Oh, the Top Sucker Secret. Brothers. Oh, yeah, God. the Sucker Brothers, you know, follow up to Airplane. Yeah. I, don't think, I don't think I've seen that since about 1984. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it's not as good as Airplane, but, it, but no. it's still good. But um, so we open with a schoolmaster leading a raid on a castle owned by the local count. Where his, you know, wife, I guess, um, has led a young girl, a, a really young girl, inside to be food for the count, who is a vampire. They eventually kill the count after a fight, and then they proceed to whip the woman. <laughs> um, though at some point, she they just begin to ignore him. She sneaks off to, you know, smuggle the count's body into a basement that they don't search for some reason, but... Anyway, um, that's, you know, kind of weird. But anyway, um, the, the count before he dies says that, you know, their children will, will die. He will avenge himself, all that kind of stuff. And then I think it's like they say 15 years later or something. Well, that's, that's a, I was going to say the, the thing about the Vampire Circus that for a first time watch, they're not great with continuity or giving you details. No, no, no. Like when you first watch it, and even me, I had to watch it again for the, this time. Is that woman the mother, the the mother of the child? You know, yeah. unless you read into it, you wouldn't realize she's a teacher, right? And she's leading her in, and then they mention in the next scene that it's fifteen years later. You, you got to really pay attention. To, yeah. Oh, it, you know, it, like it, a time shift. You know, and. Yeah, it does. It, it, that in that way, if you're not paying, and, and we're not used to paying attention to Hammer films, right? Because it's no, yeah, you know, typically they they do their kind of you know count their years by like the old timey thing of the calendar going by or whatever. I mean, and, it's not, <laughs> and I, I, I have my own I have my own theory as to why some of these little discrepancies are. But the one thing you didn't mention is at the beginning, though, it still makes me laugh all the time. They've got the girl. The girl has uh, had, you know, been killed, what have you. And then the her, the woman's dress just happens to fall off. 
Yes. Yeah. Like she's walking in it just magically, just like with Velcro, like Hulk Hogan's shirt just yeah. falls off. And then it's, they just kind of, she falls on top of him in bed. And, you know, and you're like, wow, this guy, he's more suave than Christopher Lee. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, you kind of wonder, right? Because, uh, look, most people who listen to this know that my favorite. A uh, horror movie all, of all time is Alfred Hitchcock's, you know, Psycho, right? Um, I love it. And so, but anybody who studies Hitchcock knows that he was kind of influenced by what William Castle was doing and by what Roger Corman was doing. And you have to wonder, right, Bill, if if Hammer wasn't taking notice of what Roger Corman was doing. You know, like Corman was the king of, you know, you know, you pull two uh, copper wires created by pulling apart a penny, right. you know, like you stretch it as much as you can. And I mean, the Shepperton Studios and all that kind of stuff, they were known for reusing, reusing, and they could do magic with their sets. And there and Roger Corman will bluntly tell you it's boobs, blood and beasts. Right. That's what sells movies. When you're working on a shoestring budget, you ain't looking for the best writing in the world. You got to get fannies in the seats, right? And and so Hammer kind of realized that you've got these American, you got Night of the Living Dead, you've got Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you got The Exorcist. We can't compete with that. How are we going to get them in there? Boobs, bloods, and beasts, right? And it's I love the Joe Bob Briggs um, interviewed Roger Corman one time, and I love the quote. He asked Roger Corman if he was proud of being the king of the B-movies, and Roger Corman got offended. He said, I'm, I don't make B-movies. I make A-movies. And uh, Joe Bob goes, well, how do you feel about being the king of exploitation? He said, oh, I'm fine with that. <laughs> he knows who, you know, like him, Lloyd Kaufman, they know yeah. what they are. Yeah. Like they're not yeah. going to – they don't aspire to be uh, a top end. You know, they're not going to be Cronenberg. Yeah, exactly. And, and and Jackson, did you did you pick up on any of that? Have you seen? I don't know how many Corman movies you've seen. I know you've seen some, but yeah, absolutely. And I love this this era of uh, yeah, it's like a new age is coming in, right? These more mature movies are are hitting the scene, and these old timey, you know, like kind of I don't this like classic kind of classy feeling of horror is struggling to keep up, um, and I love that. And uh, yeah, you can definitely see like it, it feels like an old man putting on a speedo. Uh, like when oh, Hammer started, that's Hammer, an image. <laughs> when Hammer started to get uh, like racier, you know, they they tried to put in like like more exploitative stuff. It felt kind of like it felt a little awkward because they're like, well, we were doing these really classy kind of chillers, but you know, now we got to combine the the sleeve of of uh, what's popular with our classic formula. So it does feel kind of funny to have these like classic sets, you know, these like, it feels like the Wolfman was shot here. And then, oh, there's a naked lady. Uh, and she's just kind of walking around. Uh, no, she's not even thinking about putting a shirt on right now. Um, so it's just very no, funny. When you're dragging your vampire's lover 
vampire lover into a basement of a castle which nobody checks, you don't think about what clothes you That's true. That's very good point. And something I wanted to say, we were talking earlier how there's a a blink and you miss it 15-year gap in between the opening and the rest of the movie, which I find very odd like from a story perspective because did it really take uh, Count Mitterhouse's cousin 15 years to come up with a plan on how to get his revenge? You tell me what you think of about of Emil. I mean, do you do you think Emil is a guy who moves quickly? I don't know. I I guess not. But like, I guess it just took him that long. That circus moves slow. But I mean, like, holy crap, fifteen years. I mean, I know why it had to be that fifteen year gap. Like, like, um, uh, what's her name? Dora is that her name? Uh, the school school yes. teacher's daughter had to be aged up. But why couldn't you just make her a teenager in the opening? You didn't need to make it a fifteen year gap. It's so odd. Um, and it's, it is really weird. It's like a blinkety miss it type thing. Um, well, but yeah. and, then, and then when they show up, it's in the middle of a plague. Yeah. And everybody's like, everybody's just like, how'd you get in? And they don't answer. And they're like, oh, okay. And I mean, I understand that, you know, medieval Germany didn't have a Dr. Fauci, but still, that's a little weird. Yeah, I mean, like, it should have been a red flag, right? We see, um, we see, oh, what's his name? Anton. Uh, the, uh, is he the mayor's son? Is that who he is? Who's Anton? Yeah. Oh, I can't keep up with all of them. I, I was just so proud that I knew what a Burgermeister was because yeah. I knew enough <laughs> German to be dangerous that I well, knew. I know Burgermeister from the Hammer movies. Master. And so that means mayor. And so, right. right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to but, learn uh, a bit of German for my PhD program, but yeah, go ahead. It's uh well, I mean, it should have been a red flag, right? Cause Anton, goes with the doctor. Oh, that's who he is. He's the doctor's son. He goes with the doctor to try to get him past the roadblock, and they're immediately shot at. So that should be a red flag that this giant caravan got through there, right? Like, at that point, Anton... But then later, Anton is like, I like the circus. It's distracting us from the plague. And I'm thinking in my head, you idiot! Like, you literally saw how, how the, the roadblock earlier. Anyways. Uh, yeah. Plus the fact that all the old-timers in the town are talking about the curse... Right, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, well, but here's the thing. I'm 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 clowning on the movie, but I actually really like the writing, especially in this first scene here. We have the mayor and the doctor, and they're talking. Like I, I really enjoyed the writing. I don't know. It was just I I thought the dialogue was pretty good, and, and throughout, I think the writing is a, is a little bit better than I expected it to be from a movie called Vampire Circus. But see, I wrote down the quote in the opening scene. Just go see uh, Emil. He will know what to do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so so I guess it's a bit of foreshadowing, but what will he do? I don't, I, he didn't he didn't know what to do. That's the thing. He didn't know what to do. It took him 15 years to come up with a plan. <laughs> and he waits till there's a plague. Um yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, okay, yeah. I love this movie too. And I understand it's 1972, but Bill, you're an educated man. You're an educator. And you've seen a lot of horror movies, even though, okay, we're throwing ourselves back into medieval Germany. There are no horror movies at the time, but there are like horrific books and so forth. Are you falling for that or are you calling shenanigans to quote South Park? (laughs) You're forgetting the basic rule of horror movie 101. Forget logic. (laughs) Put your head at the door and just go for the ride. Uh, that, I mean, the other thing is, is, you know, like they have these uh, blockades. It's a big flipping forest. I'm sure there's more than one spot you can get out without there being a blockade there. 
but with what? Wagons and I don't know, but anyway, I okay. I, and, I, and, 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 and I was going to say, and, and, and they have short people that are lower than the bushes, that, scurrying, scurrying around this forest. But that, that's the other th- weird thing about the circus. We are a spoiler podcast. We, um, so yeah, there are little people in the circus, but apparently there are people in the circus who are not vampires. Yeah, some of them are, and some of them aren't. And I mean, the one thing we haven't done yet is gone over the the, the cast. And the one observation: most horror films with Hammer, you can pick out four or five people that are repeat offenders that are in a lot of their films, right. or you know, this one not really. No, there are like when I was looking over the cast, and I do have a note here about the cast. There are just a handful. There's just a couple. Yeah, I mean, everybody will know who's a sci-fi geek. David Prowse is in it. Right, Darth Vader. The the body of Darth Vader. Vader, The body. He's not James Earl Jones. But, I mean, I looked them all up, and some of them do have some, uh, like, a curriculum vitae that's pretty good, but you won't know them. No, I mean, like, Anthony Higgins, who plays, um, you know, he's – He's the big bad. He's the panther, all that kind of stuff. He's the cousin. Um, he was Moriarty, the Moriarty character in Young Sherlock Holmes, which is a movie I love from the 80s, directed by Christopher Columbus. And he's a Nazi in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, but when I looked over his CV, and, and and you're right, I mean, his CV was pretty long, but those are the only two things I recognized. I mean, well, and everything a lot else of these, was like, eh. I was going to say, a lot of these is... What I like to say is Hammer uses the British casting call. They go to the Union Hall. Everybody's been on everybody's been on Coronation Street. Everybody's been on a whole list of BBC shows. So you're getting them like Adrian Corey. You wouldn't realize was in A Clockwork Orange, Doctor Zhivago, uh, Revenge of the Pink Panther, and every bloody person in Britain's been on Doctor Who. But small roles, right? Small roles, not yeah, yeah, yeah. But they they continue like um. What's her name? Uh, Thorley Walters was in Frankenstein Created Woman, mm-hmm. Dracula, Prince of Darkness, and The Earth Dies Screaming. Let's, yeah, let's, it, it's one of those things in Hammer. I mean, let's face it. It's Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, and everybody else, right? And everybody else. Uh, unless, yeah, but, you know, some of the people came back time and time and time again. This one doesn't have a lot of those. No. No, it doesn't. I mean, Jackson, did you recognize anybody from here? And I know you've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark like a hundred times. But. Right. I didn't know. I didn't recognize him. No. I mean, I knew Prowse. Um, I mean, it's hard to mistake him. Right. I mean, he's a gigantic yeah. dude. Big cut dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, I didn't. I didn't recognize anybody else except from this this movie. I did have a moment. Uh, where I was like, who do I know this guy from? This guy that plays, uh, who plays the the teacher. Who do I know this guy from? Oh, Vampire Circus. That's where I know him from. <laughs> it's like I recognized him because I've seen the movie before. Uh, so, but yeah, other than that, no, this is, it is. And it's one of those things. I love weird Hammer movies that are kind of like outside of the usual sort of thing because you get this this type of like cast, you know, relatively small cast with, with um, re- like, not unknowns, but more working actors, mm-hmm. and they all do great. I mean, it's a great cast. And like, and, like, and like that one actress, Elizabeth Seal. This is 1972, yeah. and she played Gerda. Mm-hmm. She was in the film Laura Croft Tomb Raider. Oh, oh wow. wow! The Cradle of Life. I mean, that what's it? 2012. You know, like 30 years later. You know, like she's still going. You know, like. 
English actors don't quit. I mean, they either drink themselves to death or they just go on until like, you know, infinity. Right. I mean, that's that's what they do. They act until they're 92 and then it's time to go. You know? Right. Unless you're Oliver Reed and you have a nine hundred and sixty dollar bar bill and you die five, you know, five minutes later. You know, like like like, like a guy like Robert Shaw acted till he died. Like the guys just do that. You yes. Know? Who also drank himself to death. Drank himself also to amazing. Death. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, yeah. But incredible actors. I, I don't know why. The British thing is, I will say this, and I don't know how you feel, Bill, as a Canadian, you know, as a, a you know, you're, I don't know when your family immigrated to Canada, so I don't know if they were ever a member of the British Empire or not. Um, I, I have a feeling, are you Dutch? Yeah, my your... dad was born in Holland. My mom's okay. family came from uh, Ireland and Scotland. Okay. All right. So, um, but... It, it, it always bugs me that okay, so this movie is set in medieval Germany. Yep. Um, any movie like if you go back and watch movies in the fifties and sixties set in Rome or wherever it is, everybody has a British accent. Yeah. Why? Because <laughs> well, it's easier. <laughs> it's easier to. It's more translatable, more relatable, I guess. I, I I guess I think it just sounds smarter for some reason. Perhaps. Right, it's like well, I, I, I remember watching The Omen. You know, everybody's bloody British. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just it's one of those things. It's like I don't know. There, I guess it's just a bias against accents, and I have an Appalachian accent, you, so I you, guess I have that. You're gonna have you to know? bring on. You're gonna have to bring on again, Hugh Lloyd, and then give yeah, him a question. Uh, it's you know it's just one of those things. I mean, Jeff Foxworthy used to joke back in the '90s. It was like, you know, if somebody comes in and has a British accent talking about your surgery the next day, you feel fine. If somebody comes in and goes, "Here's what we're going to do here now," <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter if that guy graduated from the top of Harvard Medical School. <laughs> you yeah, get you nervous. Think you, you think he's using chicken wire and yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but for some reason, they all have British accents, but. Um, yeah, I didn't recognize a lot of the cast. I had to look up. I knew David Prowse, but I'd known that beforehand. Anthony Higgins has been in a lot of stuff, but you know, I didn't necessarily recognize him. Like the it. one, the one, the one actress, Lynn Frederick, uh, was mm. in a film you may have seen, Phase Four. Yes, I've seen Phase Four. Yeah, yeah, and she was in Voyage of the Damned, the one about the the boat, the ship that had all the uh, Jewish immigrants uh, escaping seen... the war. I don't remember that. I remember phase four. I'm embarrassed yeah. to say, but I haven't. Yeah. yeah. Um, again, a lot of these, you know, they've got lots on their resume, but they may be, you know, a 10 minute part in the movie. Yeah. And the director didn't do much either. No, I no. Recognize. Did you? No. It, 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 I, like I, what did I write down? I didn't write down pretty much anything except uh, there was one I've never seen, but I'd heard of called the worst witch. Mm, yeah. I've never seen it. No, and he apparently he did a film about uh, Alfred Eichmann. Yeah, I did see that, but I've never seen the film. No, I haven't seen the film. And this was his first movie. This one. Wow. I so think he had done some TV. Effect. I think he had done some TV work, perhaps, but he hadn't done any film work. Well, that shocks me because Jackson, you want to be the director. It shocks me he didn't do more because, as you said, this is obviously a low budget film that was like probably filmed in the backwoods of, you know, Wales or Scotland somewhere, you know, over three weeks. I think it looks great. 
Yeah, it looks great. I'm. You can tell this is one that stayed on budget, stayed on schedule. Um, it, oh, it, oh, I've got, a, I've got this. Did you read the? Did you read about the backstory on that? I did not. No. I did. Okay, Vampire Circus was the director. Or sorry, what's the guy's name? The director, um, Robert Young. Yeah. Robert. Hammer. If you've ever heard anything about Hammer, Hammer has a very strict schedule. You're given six weeks. Okay. You're given your budget, you're given the amount of uh, film to do, and you do it. Robert Young didn't realize the schedule or didn't read it in the memo or what have you. Oh, boy. And, and he started going into a seventh week oh. of shooting. Well, let's just say the Hammer CEOs, or I guess the whoever was the head of the company, pretty much at that point stopped production, got an editor, and said, cobble together a movie of what's been shot. Oh, you're kidding. Nope. So there are shots that are literally on the floor. Didn't even make the floor because they weren't shot. So like when I said I have my theory about why there's certain gaps, mm. he may have wanted to go back in post-production to do some things. But Hammer said, uh-uh, you got six weeks, buddy. And then we, we, we're going to, because they have a formula. Like Roger Corman has a formula. You're given, you know, $25,000 to start. and blah, 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 blah. Hammer only gives you six weeks. So he went into a seventh week. I don't know that if he'd actually finished the film, but that's what they were giving him. Oh, man, that's a shame. I didn't know that. I own the Blu-ray. I haven't watched the uh, special features today. Um, I'm, I'm uh, folks who are listening. I'm one year out from comprehensive exams for my PhD. So I'm studying like crazy Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic and all that kind of crap. And um, but I so I just watched it on Tubi, even though Tubi kept uh, giving me the spinning wheel of death all day. I had to restart it like five times, even though my Wi-Fi, you know, supposedly was fine. Um, but I rewatched it today. I, I liked it, but you saying that, that makes a lot of sense. I remember, you know, look, folks, this is how Hollywood works. So Joe Dante, the director Joe Dante, who I know you both know very well, right? Yeah. Piranha, The Howling, Gremlins, Twilight Zone, the movie. The Birds. Um, the Burbs, yes, absolutely. Inner space, on and on. And Joe Dante directed a movie called, a movie I know, Jackson, you know, The Explorers. Oh, yeah. Um, a very early movie with River Phoenix, right? And it, before Stand By Me. And he was shooting that movie, and a new head of the studio came in and yanked it from him. It was before Gremlins had come out that he was shooting, and Gremlins became such a huge hit. Took it from him, said he didn't know what he was doing. And just had an editor cobble together something, put it out there, and it was a bomb. And then, like, a few months later, after he yanked the movie, Gremlins comes out, and it's a huge hit. Um, folks, sometimes you just need to trust the director, right? Yeah. But, I mean, uh, I know, like, like Hammer is one of those productions. It's basically a movie house that you've got a budget right. for X amount of films, and you're not going over. Right. You know, and so if you've gone over your $220,000 budget, tough. <laughs> You're, I, yeah, think, I think that's done. what happened yeah. here. Yeah, and Corman did that all the time, of course. But yep. yeah, I, yeah, I can see that now. You say that that makes perfect sense, and so I'll go back and at yeah. some point watch the extras. But yeah, Jackson, did, did you see that? Say that uh, that's ahead. why. That's why you have to infer a lot in this film. That makes sense, Jackson. Does it make sense to you? It does, and there are reused shots in this. I don't know if you noticed, because now that makes sense. I'm trying to make a movie out of it. 
there's one part where well there's i want to talk about two things uh, i'm getting ahead of myself um right. do you do you remember how like when emil is laying out his plan uh with uh the woman who turns out to be anna and uh she, do we have to kill all of them all yeah. of them must die and then it like cuts to like it's cutting between that and the show with the twins jumping in the air and turning into bats right it's like a really weird edit and you get the sense that there wasn't really a scene there but they're just trying to make a scene and then the second circus show emil turns from the panther into the human again and they use the same shot of him jumping over like a little you know he like jump b- jumps on a bucket or whatever and turns right. from a panther into a human they reuse that same shot twice and it's such a distinctive shot it's a weird one to reuse um i i noticed that so that makes a lot of sense and yeah and I mean, maybe there would have been more stuff in the intro, more stuff after that would have warranted that, you know, that 15 year time time skip. But there is a lot of stuff like, yeah, like that, the the um, the woman from the circus being uh, Anna from the beginning, even mm-hmm. though she has a different face now. And they show they they show that she's Anna. They never say it. They just show that she's Anna by superimposing Anna's face on top of her, even though it's a different actor. It's really right. weird now, the way was, they do that. I was going to say, was I the only one that thought the body paint was really groovy? <laughs> yes okay okay let's talk really quick can we talk about the the circus show like it's a really lame circus show i feel like no offense to and the there circus are like tonight. 10 people in attendance <laughs> yeah so there are 10 people watching that they they start by kind of dancing around for a while and then they introduce the mayor and and then there's this there's there's weber and selena which is like an exotic furry ballet i really don't get it like the audience seems to eat it up this this woman in body paint dancing with this guy but they're basically just miming having sex it's a very odd and, and you like, notice that there's like young kids in the audience like chewing children. on popcorn yeah. and you yeah. see these you see these these blue breasts dangling in guys face and they're like oh yeah yeah. yeah, and they're all clapping. Yeah, yeah. It's why, what, why would you? What would you and your wife do if you had your daughter there? I mean, honestly, oh, Bill. No, 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 no. My wife would leave with them, and she'd keep me there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. It's it, it, that was odd, especially when you consider like what would it have cost to just drag some like grips and stuff to just sit in and be extras i mean it, it, it but it's weird and it, it is really strange but i will say that black leopard is beautiful the black okay the black leopard or i didn't know what is it a leopard? Oh, I, don't know. I didn't know if it was a panther or a leopard oh, i don't know i just called it a leopard or something. Or something. yeah i don't know either i have no idea but yeah i mean i i will say this um how were you both sad when the tiger and the monkey were dead yes uh, I, I just roll with it. You just <laughs> roll with it. All right. Let me be very uh, clear here. And hopefully, uh, Bill, your co host, Greg and Mortis, will hear this because yep. I remember uh, maybe a few months ago uh, on Land of the Creeps, Greg mentioned that he wanted a monkey. Oh, did he? Okay. No, you don't. Um, they are vicious animals. <laughs> you do not want a primate of if any kind, and I say that as the survivor of a spider monkey attack. Oh, really? There's got to be a story here. I was three years old. We lived right, I was, I'm the fourth of five kids. We lived a quarter mile from the church where my dad worked, and our next door neighbor had a boa constrictor and a spider monkey. The spider monkey got out, 
jumped up on my head and tried to rip out my eyes. It was clawing at my eyes. My brother, Brian, who retired from the music business in Hollywood to Nashville, um, so now he's just a country gentleman in Franklin, Tennessee, he ran up, grabbed the monkey off of me. It tried to attack his eyes, so he grabbed it by its tail, swung it around like 10 times, and flung it. Um, those things are vicious. So I, I felt nothing for the monkey. I'm sorry. I was going to say, so Greg, no monkeys. No monkeys. No monkeys. And by the way, chimpanzees, and that thing was a chimpanzee, chimpanzees, when they reach a certain age, if they're males, they attack other males, and what they go for is your junk. What, to, uh, like, emasculate them? They try to bite off your junk. For any particular purpose? To Yes, to make sure they're the only male around. It's a dominance thing. Yes. You do you want to chimp around, Bill? Uh, well, I've I've had my kids, you know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, the Planet of the Apes lied to us all. Uh, oh it. no! So, uh, so we're going to get into this walk through the uh, the Hall of Mirrors. Let's do it. Let's do the walk through the Hall of Mirrors, Bill. Take us through it. Well, I was just, just going to say. Here's what I wrote down: an unfortunate walk through the Wall of Mirrors. And some very hammy acting by the Count and the Burgermeister. <laughs> I thought he really hammed it up there. <laughs> yes. Okay. Oh. I, he was very entertained by those funhouse mirrors. Like, I wish I could be so excited about anything as he is about those mirrors. <laughs> but here's the thing. Again, what is it? Like the 1300s, 1400s, whatever it's supposed to I be? Like, it is, yeah. Of course he's entertained by those mirrors. That's, that's future technology. I, I don't know if anybody would be that abused. I mean, you can see your reflection in a puddle. I mean, you know. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> he's, hey. like, he's like, it's just an illusion. Nothing nothing wild. But he's like laughing to himself. It's a very odd thing. Yeah, the Burgermeister is really chewing up some scenery. He sure is. Yeah, and then later on when he's uh, convinced that the vampires are evil, you know, he's he like he's got his gun. He's all gray in the face and like freaking out. It's very odd. He like turns into like a zombie sort of guy. It's it's pretty odd. But well, uh, let me ask you, Jackson, if you were remaking Vampire Circus today, yeah, and you were casting the Burgermeister, yeah, would you choose Al Pacino or Tommy Wiseau? Oh. <laughs> That's tough. I'm going to go with Tommy Wiseau. I think he needs the work. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, that would be great. Tommy Wiseau is the mayor. Could, could Where you, have uh, you taken them? Where have you taken my boys? Could you not see Bruce Campbell? Oh, I don't yeah. know. Oh, I, yeah. Honestly, you know what? I want I want Bruce Campbell to be Count Mitterhouse or whatever his name is. Yeah. I think that would be funny. Because <laughs> yeah. then I would get it. All the women are falling under a spell. Of course, it's Bruce Campbell. He's the chin. Now there's yeah. the one scene. There's one scene before this, and I want to tiptoe around some things because I know this is a, a family podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, Emil is the leopard slash vampire, and he gets uh, how do I put this um, cock blocked? Yes, by the female. <laughs> yes, I was like. Why does she just let it go? Uh, yeah, yeah. There, there are some weird. There's a weird ethos to this circus. I mean, I know what it got, is. Okay, go for it, Jackson. It's because that's Anna, right? The woman from the circus is her mom. I don't know if she knows that or not, but that might be her reason for stopping Emil. 
Anna is a weird character, isn't she? She is a very odd character. Here's what I was thinking. So right, so she's under Count Mitterhouse's spell, but then Count Mitter- Mitterhouse is dead, but she still like is loyal to him. It's very but odd. But she doesn't want the children to be hurt, but the yeah. children are hurt. And, and it's, it's 15 like- years later. Does she even know that's her kid? Like, would she even recognize her? That's very I odd. don't know. Again, horror movie logic. Yes. Or the absence of or the absence yeah. thereof. Yeah, yeah, it's it, yeah, it's it's weird. I liked Anna, and as as Bill, you pointed out, I mean, she looked like she was a working actress, you know, and I think she's still alive, actually, if I remember, I looked her up. Um, but you know, never any big breakout roles, and I don't think the director did her any favors here, but. Yeah, I don't. I don't see the logic, Jackson. I don't know what's what was happening. There. No, she died in 2010. Oh, she did. Okay. Oh, and she was only 63 in Montreal. Oh, yeah. so she wasn't too far from you. It's actually funny because I was looking up her, uh, you know, what she'd done before, and then all of a sudden I saw she was in Road to Avonlea. So I'm That's like, she's got to be Canadian. No, she's from England. But she obviously settled here. So not not in the littlest. What is it? The littlest. Oh, littlest hobo. hobo. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I can look her up, see if she was, but uh, is that a requirement if you live in Canada? I'm pretty no, sure. Like, no, no, she was still, she's maybe still, Sebastian Bach was even in the Littlest Hope at some point. No, she wasn't in uh, Littlest Hope, but she was in a show called Street Legal, which I know was Canadian, which had Nicholas Campbell in it. He was the lead guy in that show. Oh, okay. So, anyway, so yeah, so, so just you, for those of us south of your border, I mean. Is is Canadian TV? Do they have a channel like equivalent to the BBC? Yeah, they have the CBC. Okay, CBC, right. the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, which for the longest time funded these television shows. But you knew it was Canadian because you could see the camera mic, you could see the mic, the boom <laughs> mic in the show. Even, even with SCTV. Oh well, the SCTV was made badly on purpose. Okay. But, um, there was a, there was a show called Kings of Kensington with um, Al Waxman. You might know Al Waxman. Uh, as an actor, and it went on for years, and the Beachcombers was on for years, and Lilith Hobo went on for years and years, and Danger Bay went on, and you know they were brought, you know they were paid for by the Canadian taxpayers' dollar. So you got, I mean, if you wanted a better show, then up our taxes went. So, <laughs> yeah, and what's interesting is, just as an aside, um, I was listening to a podcast this morning when I was taking out my wife's demon puppies for you know their food and their morning business at uh, like 5 30 in the morning and i was listening to a podcast the majority of film productions you know for years were in canada right vancouver toronto they had the uh the tax breaks right now they've moved to australia really yeah the majority of film productions and tv productions right now are in australia Hmm, they must be giving away. Must be tax breaks or benefits some for some reason. Because Justin say, Trudeau screwed your guys' filmmaking. I don't know what to say. No, no, it was well before Trudeau. It was <laughs> maybe his father. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's yeah, it's I, there's a huge amount of uh, even American TV. Like I mean, even like sitcoms are moving to Australia. Like like you'd think if you're putting together something. I mean, what's it take you? Eighteen hours to fly there? Yes, yes. You know, and you got to haul all this equipment, and isn't it easier to do it in Tennessee? Uh, you know what? Even the new Elvis movie with Tom Hanks was shot in Australia. 
where, where do you get peanut butter and banana sandwiches in Australia? I don't know. <laughs> Vegemite, but I don't know. Vegemite, anyway, yeah. Yeah, Jackson, are you willing to move to Australia, buddy? Sure. <laughs> I mean, well, I, I might die. They've got all kinds of, like, really uh, deadly animals there. Um, and I'm not just talking about the football fans. But, uh, no, I, I might get bit by a spider or something while filming, but it'll be worth it because it'll only be 110 degrees out there every day. Well, I'm I'm excited to go there because then I don't have to shovel. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. You don't have to That's shovel. That's one thing stuff. you don't have to worry about. Yeah, which is what what is the latest you've had to shovel in Canada? What it was the latest uh, day? Uh, this year, I had to scrape off my car. I remember it was the 13th of May. Wow! Like I'm not talking full shovel, but we had snowfall on the first of May. Wow! So. <laughs> You're it too is far north, buddy. You got to get south. So <laughs> what else do we want to talk about with Vampire Circus? Bill, what else do we um, want to talk about? Uh, the one thing I noticed that, that, you know, if you've never seen a Hammer film, if you've never seen this film, there was really good atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like we make fun of the forest and all that, but there were some nice shots. Yeah. You know, of the countryside and cin- cinematography, that kind of thing. And they did have some really awesome dark red blood in some of the vampire bites like, like you get that classic almost giallo-esque i and i yeah. personally bill miss that um it, it compared to the cgi blood sprays that we get today in a lot of horror films which i can't stand yeah i'd rather have the um hardware store red paint yes to... The Kiro syrup and uh yeah. yeah give me that not the cgi what do you think jackson yeah, I agree. Or even, you know, if you're shooting it in black and white, you can use Hershey's chocolate syrup, you know, whatever. Right. Um, but I, yeah, I hate that. I mean, we talked about this on a review of X, which uh, we, we both appreciated that X used real, you know, practical effects as opposed to, you know, we were comparing it to Rob Zombie a lot. And at some point, Rob Zombie just decided, you know what, for the blood, I'm going, you know, plug in green screen element, this terrible looking like blood spray. I noticed it first in uh, The Devil's Rejects. I mean, that scene in the motel, which is a great scene, but it's just ruined by every, when people get shot or, you know, cut by a knife. The terrible, like, almost black CGI blood spray. It's just it so almost bad. looks like, like, Blade. You remember the movie yes, Blade? That's exactly yeah. what it looks yeah. like. Yeah. But it's not even like Blade is excusable because that's like, like, you know, action-packed comic book, right? But when you're in something as grounded as The Devil's Rejects, it doesn't quite work. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the other thing I wrote down, I put a little star beside was uh, towards the end. There's uh, the fighting, and uh, they're going down in the basement, etc. And they're going after the vampires. A cross prevents Dora to be bitten, and right. having her shirt ripped off. She looks pretty young too, so it might be a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was like, you know, there there are some lines that horror would uh, that Hammer would not cross. Yeah, thank goodness. Yeah, on that one. Yeah. Oh man. That being, I mean, I don't know. I feel like that that wasn't you know Hammer because Hammer n- never forget in one of the Frankenstein movies. I don't know what it was like, Evil Frankenstein or something. They decided to sex up the movie with a rape scene when Doctor Frankenstein rapes this woman. Like that was their idea of sexing it up. So I don't know if Hammer had that line. Uh, it was probably just in the script. I don't. I don't I don't think that was hammer like being like oh we'll be good we'll be a good uh they, they got good moralist- moral they got moralistic after a while right 
I guess so. Uh, the, the other thing I put, there was a lot of walking, running, and action in the forest. <laughs> sure is. I, said, I said, is it a take on the Little Red Riding Hood inspiration for future slashers? Uh, oh, well, yeah. A lot of kills in the forest, a lot of running, a lot of falling, a lot of tripping. Was, did, you know, was somebody... Oh, I didn't catch on to the tripping. You're right. Yeah, you know, that, that, that did become a trope, right? Which I can't stand. I mean... No. Uh, yeah. yeah. But now, now the, the trope of little people didn't catch on, but the running through the forest did. Well, Rob Zombie tried to bring it back in 31 with the little people. <laughs> yeah. We saw how that worked out. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, that was very Rob Zombie. Yeah, uh, that, didn't, that didn't work out well. Uh, which, again, is why I prefer Friday 13th Part 2, where Jason is thin and can do cardio and actually run <laughs> and not just somehow pace and catch you. Um, but anyway, all right, Bill what would you rate Vampire Circus? All right. So the last point I put before I get to that, I put, yes, sir. is it just you and you, me, whatever? Was a, the brother and the sister unusually close? Uh, yes. A, a lot of hugging, a lot of close to the breast. Uh, yes. Uh, was, am I supposed to infer something there? I don't know. It was a little I, weird. And then they kidnap the mayor's kids and they're like touching all over them. I was like, don't do that. You know, they are I, know, weird. I know this is 1972, but even in 1972, they had morality laws. Yeah, it was weird. It, it was, I mean, let, there are a lot of things in this movie that are weird. And yeah, that's it. It, it was weird. It, it, I was uh, going to say, it sounds like we're harping on a lot of things, but I really do enjoy the film. Anybody who hasn't seen this, especially those that are of the vampire uh, completists that are looking for something that's not Dracula goes to a woman's bedroom, bites her neck kind of deal. This is must see TV. Yeah, I, this I, I wouldn't say that it's, you know, it's not uh, not right up there with the horror of uh, Dracula or anything like that. But it is at a time of Hammer's history where they were kind of struggling. And this is a standout. And I really think it needs to be watched. I think the atmosphere is good. I think the acting is more than acceptable. Yep. And now that we know that there were some overruns and things taken away, you watch it with different eyes the next time. I give this an 8 out of 10. I'm right there with you. I was going back and forth between 7.5 and a half out of 8 because I agree with you. And I think it was either the same year or maybe a year after that Twins of Evil came out, which I yep. also really liked. I love um, oh, who? Yeah, oh, Twins of Evil the, is great. What was the name of the sisters, the Playboy models? Yeah, I can't oh, remember. I can't but remember. yeah, they were Playboy models. and yep. But I really like that movie. Peter Cushing's great in it. Yep. He's a really complicated character in it. I, I really like it. And yeah, it things just weren't working for hammer you kind of get the feeling that they're kind of swinging you for the fence we talked about is like what's this weird thing what's that weird thing and you get I, that I, one more hammer film with david prouse uh the yeah. one with frankenstein's monster yeah oh uh, yeah i know you're frankenstein talking about. and the beast from hell or something like yeah. that yeah 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 the, well, the monster like from hell foot yeah yeah he's like yeah. a bigfoot creature yeah and it's yeah, that one was i mean i think that the stuff hammer was putting out in the 70s was really good it just wasn't resonating with audiences at the time post uh, you know as we said and as you said bill the exorcist and you know last house on the left and all that kind of stuff yeah. it just but, wasn't but, hitting but it's really good stuff could you not see it, it it almost goes from high art house to grind house yeah you know hammer is definitely flirting with it right yeah like i wouldn't say i mean it, it, it's not exactly but it's 
No, it's like that 18 degrees of separation with Kevin Bacon. It's not that far off. Yeah, it's there. Yeah. It's definitely there. And so, Jackson, okay, we've all said, we, and you've said, Jackson, you like it, but what would you rate it, buddy? I like it, and uh, yeah, again, like Bill said, I feel like you've been harping on it, but there's some great stuff in it. Like, I love yep. the line from Michael where he's like, don't bless me, pay me. Like, that's a great line. <laughs> and then, like, in that same scene, you know, like, Bill was talking about all the kills in the woods. It does feel very Friday the 13th, but then when um, uh, Dora's in the woods, and she sees, like, it's a really cool visual. You got, like, the sh- it looks like panther eyes in the bush, and then it, like, comes into focus, and it's the like buckles on a boot it's a real that's a really cool shot and then like we didn't even mention this the shot of a, of a meal running up the stairs and he turns into the panther on camera that's a really cool like that's really cool so there's some there's some good stuff in this i'm not as hot on it as as you are um I mean, you mentioned Twins of Evil. I think that's a fantastic. You know, be a great yeah. double feature is Twins of Evil and Witchfinder General. That'd be a great back. Oh feature. yeah, that would be yeah. And you can almost like kind of like he's kind of like the same character. You know what I mean? Like Peter Cushing in that. He's kind of you could canonize yeah, it. Yeah, you could do sequels. Peter Cushing and Vincent Price back to forth, back and forth. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, they're, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like to think that it's like the Vega brothers, that they're cousins, you know, the Witchfinder <laughs> General. And like, yeah, that's 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 how I canonize it. But anyways, I'm a little bit less hot on this. I'm a seven out of ten on this one. Uh, I still really enjoy it. And this is only that's like pretty, still pretty it. high for you. And, you're and, pretty uh, hard. The, you're, you rank things pretty hard. So yeah. that, that, that's a very reasonable mark. On the, I was I was watching a guy who uh, reviewed it to, today and he goes, doesn't Emil look like an evil Mark Bolin? Yes, he does. Oh, yes. He does. <laughs> oh, man, a T-Rex guy. Yeah, man. Yeah. If you, if you, uh, there's a guy who does it. He's called Grumpy Andrew's Horror House. He goes, oh, boy. that grumpy Mark Bolin guy. <laughs> That's fantastic. I, I love that. The other, the um, other thing I found out is in 1978, uh, the film was adapted into a 15-page comic strip. I saw that. I did read that. I would love to have that. That would be cool. Yeah. Now, now the other question I want to pose to you two fine gentlemen is, given today's standards, do you think this could be, I, I hate remade, but reimagined in a modern film? Oh, Jackson, you take that. You're the aspiring filmmaker. You know, I feel like uh, I feel like Robert Eggers could do something with it. I mean, I know he's wanted to do a Nosferatu movie, like a period piece Nosferatu movie for the longest time. I'd love to see him like do that kind of thing with with Vampire Circus because there's a strong concept there. This like generational, this like vampire family circus type thing. It's it's really odd. I know Rob Zombie's gonna want to get a hold of it, but but keep him away. Let him do Monsters for now, and uh, yeah, put Robert Eggers on it. I think he'd do he'd do a pretty good job with it. You'd have to change some elements. Obviously, you cut out Weber and Selena or whatever their names were. Yeah. Uh, um, just cut that out and maybe tone down the Burgermeister. But uh, yeah, this, this there's definitely a strong backbone here. And, and I, I'm, yeah. I was going to say, I know Joe Dante's getting a little bit aged, yep. but somebody with Joe Dante's sensibilities definitely to do this kind of film i think might yeah be. Uh, he's got yeah somebody from the corman school but it's still yeah. a very crafty filmmaker yeah and this I mean, could even be fun this could be fun like i mean we've talked about how ridiculous some of the plot points are if you had like a tom hanks from the burbs type guy in here like say anton this character in the movie 
he like is just as confused as we are about the stuff going on around them. That there could be some good comedy there. I feel like Joe Dante would take full advantage of that. Like, so who are you? You're twins and you're vampires. And then there's this guy and he's not a vampire. He's just a really strong dude. Why are you here with the vampires? I think that could be kind of funny. Um, so that that's another angle you could take. You could do comedy horror, get like Josh Rubin on it or something. It would be interesting. It's it, look, there are I, this movie took me by surprise. I really like a lot of it. There are a lot of there's a lot of stuff in here I didn't expect from a hammer film. There's a decapitation scene. There's mm. there's there's, like, a, there's a good death scene by the count. Yeah, there is. And so it's just and like I said, you got ch- you know, children in peril, stuff like that. I right. So Hammer is really pushing the edge here. I really like it. Um, yeah, there there are problematic spots. I remember there's that line from Emil. It's like fear casts out fear like death casts out death. And I'm like. What does that even mean? Yeah, I mean, what? I mean, I don't know what that even means. It's like, you know, it almost reminded me of, and maybe this is because something happened near us. It was like, I don't know, Jackson, if you heard about this. It's like, it almost reminded me of like the Sex Panther line from Anchorman. It was like, you know, ninety percent of the time it works. Yeah, <laughs> yes, all the time, and it's like sixty percent of the time it works all the time. Like that doesn't make any and sense. And you, you know, another thing about like, okay, so the the count's plan is that I guess Emil is going to come and and kill the children of the people who right. killed him to bring him back to life. But we never see that start to work. So that could have just not worked. I, like, their it, entire plan could have yeah, just not there, worked. There are some serious plot holes here, but like Bill brought it up, that, you know, them yanking and the editing may have had something to do with it. But I, I bring that yeah. up because Jackson, I mean, Bill, you've seen Anchorman, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Jackson, you've seen Anchorman. Yeah. Okay. So you remember David Koechner, who played Champ. He's like half bald. He's yeah, the guy. He's, like, he's whammy. He's a- he, he's he's yeah. in some pretty hot legal waters these days. Um, Is he? He got pulled yes. over for a DUI, Bill, five miles from my house. Oh, did Uh-oh. he? Jackson, that- he got pulled over outside of Ironton. Really? Oh, boy. Yes. What was he doing there? That says what, his second DUI? It's his second DUI. In the I'm last in, while. I'm in rural Ohio. He apparently flew from L.A. to Cincinnati and was driving to Huntington, West Virginia, which Jackson will tell you is like 30, 40 minutes from my house. Yeah. He was driving literally on 52, which I can see from my house. Yeah. And got pulled over for DUI. Where was he going and why was he going to? He was going to Huntington for a Comic-Con. Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah. So he's going to show up to Comic-Con drunk. That was his plan. He got pulled over literally, Bill. 10 minutes from my house. Yeah, it, I, I read the article. He, I, they said he was he was weaving or like he was. It was very Which obvious. Is wild because from Cincinnati to here is an hour and a half drive. He'd been driving for an hour and a half. I, I guess maybe he let his guard down in the country. I don't yeah. know, man. But yeah, he was. David Keckner was literally pulled over right on the Lawrence County line. So like Jackson, you know where this is. Hanging Rock. Yeah. Oh, well, that makes sense. And Hanging Rock, they love to pull you over. So yeah, now, now it all makes sense. So he was yeah. probably speeding and he blew over the legal limit. But literally, yeah. that is you can vouch for this is what it's like 10 minutes from the house. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it was David Keckner. Yeah. Okay, I was gonna say, I'm so, watching so, the body cam footage right now. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. so I, I veered you off from the point you were making about the anchor. <laughs> 
Well, it was the same thing. It was that, you know, you have those lines in Anchorman was like, you know, the Sex Panther thing, you know, 60% of the time it works every time. The the line in Vampire Circus is like, you know, fear drives out fear like death drives out death. And I'm like, what? Yeah, maybe take what is another that? rewrite. <laughs> yeah, what does that even mean? I, mean, I, thought, I, I thought it was just a British thing, you know. If it is, you know, somebody who's listening and Hugh, whoever explained that to me, because I don't get it. Um, <laughs> there are lines in this movie that just completely befuddle me. And then there are other times I was like, wow, that's really cool. And Hammer's really pushing the envelope. So, yeah, it, yeah it's a mixed bag. I'm with you, Bill. I don't blame Jackson for giving it a seven out of ten. I think that's a respectable yeah. uh, rating. I gave it eight simply because growing up as a Hammer uh, fan, I think it pushes the envelope a little bit. And I really like that, and I agree with you, Bill. I think that I think the cast, regardless of the screenplay, I think they do a really good job. I think they execute it very well. I think Robert Young, even though he didn't have a huge career, I think he shot the heck out of this film, especially for the budget. Um, and so I recommend. I own it. I recommend everybody go see it. I was going to say, but you're talking to me. I'll gobble up anything. Hammer. Oh, me too. But I, I think this is an, I think this is the top like twenty five percent of Hammer films. Yeah, all no doubt, and especially at a time when their best films were not as prevalent, this yeah. one stands out. I think pretty well. I agree. So I was going to say Robert Young was directing as late as two thousand and fourteen. Well, good for him. So he kept going. But again, like I, I think a lot of these are um, BBC or British type things he did an episode of the adventures of young indiana jones oh really okay yeah i remember watching those in the 80s yeah, um but, yeah but yeah as i said up until 2014 but nothing that you'd ever know at all yeah well i think he did a, a yeoman job here so uh, we want to thank our supporters over at patreon and all the proceeds go to jackson to help him through film school and Bill, we want to thank you for being back on. You've been on many times. We want you on many times, you know, in the future. And even though I know here in the next couple of weeks you were going out into the country to, you know, uh, dodge bears and look for Bigfoot and all that kind of stuff. So the only Bigfoot they're going to find is me who hasn't shaved in a while. That's <laughs> where can they find you online, buddy? They can find me at the Land of the Creeps podcast with the wonderful Gregor Mortis and Dr. Shock David Becker. You can find me at Phantom Galaxy with Nathan Bartlebaugh, a cast of thousands. Just all your major podcast providers will have Phantom Galaxy or Land of the Creeps. Type them in. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Letterboxd. I'm on Slasher app. I'm all over the place. If you have a podcast, I have a microphone. So give me a buzz. There you go. Um, so, Jackson, what about you, buddy? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Kane underscore Hero 12. That's K-A-I-N-E underscore Hero 12. Uh, you can find my YouTube and Letterboxd from there. Um, and uh, yeah, having a lot. Dude, Phantom Galaxy, Land of the Creeps, and every other podcast ever imaginable. Bill's been on everything. So pretty much throw a rock, you'll hit a podcast he's been on, yep. including this one. Yes, so, and for uh, good reason. You, got, yes, you, mi you missed your call, like Bill. You should have been... You should have been a DJ, my as, friend. As they say, I have, I have, I have a... If you have been born in the 50s or 60s instead of the 70s, you would have been a Rick D's for the for Canada, my friend. I, I have a face for radio. <laughs> no. Dude, hey, listen, Wolfman Jack, right? You were just talking about how you look like Bigfoot. There you go. <laughs> That's, true. I know. That's true. I look, I could, I look like uh, I'm about the same size and look as Randy Bachman. That's kind of me. 
Well, you, the, sir, have a great radio voice, but the only strike against you uh, would be that people south of the border may get sick of you only playing Rush all the time. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> no, you know, they can also get some uh, Jeff Healy as well. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we talked about <laughs> Jeff Healy. Yeah. Got to meet Jeff Healy at the uh, premiere of Roadhouse because Kathleen Wilhoyt, um, who plays Carrie Ann, the waitress in, in Roadhouse, um, was a friend of my brother's, and uh, she wanted to be a recording artist, and she actually has a really good voice, and um, and so she invited us to the premiere of Roadhouse, and that's how I got to meet Jeff Healy, great guy, amazing musician, and unfortunately underheard, right, Bill? Too many people today oh, need yeah, to They don't know enough. I mean, unfortunately, he passed of cancer yeah. at a young age. Yeah. But uh, anybody out there, listen to Jeff Healy. Rush will rule the world. Yes. Jeff Healy will get you there as well. There you go. I can be found on Twitter and Letterboxd at Pastor Matt R. And you can find more of us at fatherandsonwatchhorror.com and at Twitter at fathersonhorror. And we have a closed Facebook group as well. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next time for a bit of summer beach horror with our friend Greg Bench and maybe some more coming on talking about some Jaws sequels. Um, That's coming up soon. So, Jackson, say goodbye to the good people. Goodbye. And remember, uh, remember that one time when I was three and I cried at the circus? And and I I don't know why I'm mentioning that now, but I feel I had to get this off my chest. I was was having a lot of repressed trauma during this episode. Um, You were uh, warning us all. I was, yes, I was foretelling. Was that was in Charleston, West Virginia. We could have all disappeared. No one would ever known the yes. better. Oh, and, and, and Jackson, can you look in a mirror and not cry? I, man, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I still get amazed. Even just a regular mirror doesn't even need to be a funhouse one. Uh, that your hair has grown so long. That that's the shocking thing. Yeah, that's. I'm I'm giggling like the Burgermeister just at that. I'm wondering how you are a Rawlings. I'm 5'9", you're 6'2". You're the only Rawlings over six feet tall. I can dunk. (laughs) No joke, you got huge hands and you're 6'2", but you got... uh, How do you do that with that, you know, Samson hair you got uh, going on? Have you ever ever seen that video on BBC, uh, Neil Young, 1971 Live? No, I haven't. T- is, that my, is that my next uh, assignment after well, well, no, no, no. All I'm saying is Neil Young's kind of at the height of his creativity, but his hair is down about his waist. All right. Well, that's my goal, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how much longer I can keep this up. I don't know. I know that you don't get this, Bill, but it's it's hot here. So well, I, I, have, I have friends down there that it's, right. like, it's 115 degrees. Yeah. yeah okay. Heat index, it's been 115, between 105 and 115 this week. Yeah, it's been real, and, and 60 plus to 70% humidity. Yeah. yeah, it's nasty. So, well, folks, Bill, thanks. And folks, thanks again. And remember that the family that watches horror together slays together. See you next time. Once again, I want to thank our patrons, Amy Swan, Ashley Pinkard, Billy D, Brian Scott, Chad Stice, Dan George, David Becker, Greg Bench, Greg Russell, Ian Urza, Ian West, Joel Robertson, Kevin Corpy, Nicholas Stumpf, Pearl Morgan, and Greg too, Ryan Bratton, Stefan Sitter, and Trey Whetstone. Thank you guys so much. You make this podcast possible. And it's the one that's on night music. 
Okay. And Dr. John plays the piano. Dr. John. Oh, all right. Wow. And Marcus Miller is on guitar. Is he a oh, medical doctor or is it more like a PhD type thing? Oh, 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 you, oh you don't know who, you, you know who Dr. John is? Oh, no. Oh, I know boy. Elton John. Oh, no. no. Oh, although no, they, although they are both very accomplished pianists. Uh, no. So no. Do, do, a Patreon, do a Patreon reaction and dedicate it to me. Okay. Okay. You bet. <laughs> all right guys well we are recording let me do the three two one we will jump into it though something tells me jackson may kind of like the retro movie geek guys just go ahead and make use of uh when uh, when i say something embarrassing and welcome (laughs) (laughs) oh man